Again, Heavenly Father, we come before you uh, just humbly in need of your grace and in need of your forgiveness, in need of your righteousness. Uh, Lord, we're, we're realizing that we are living in the last days of this earth's history. Satan knows his time is short, and he's angry, and he is putting out his message out there like a flood. And Lord, I just pray that your people are not consumed by that flood, but yet stand in the gap and witness to those around them the true nature of your character, the true nature of your love. Because Satan is accusing you that your law is not just and that you are not loving. So Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit to, to work through each one of us to truly show the character that you are. And that's a character of love. And the, Lord, we just praise your name for the things that you have done in this church and through us and will do through us, Lord. So just Amen. be with us uh, in a mighty way. Again, camp your angels around this place to ward off those spirits that, that really wish to keep us in the dark. So Lord, I just I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Alright, so here we go. Modern Medium Part 2. And I want to start with this quote here from uh, Medical Ministry, page 111. It says, For thousands of years, Satan has been experimenting upon the properties of the human mind. And he has learned it well. By his subtle workings in these last days, he is linking the human mind with his own, imbuing it with his thoughts. And he is doing this work in so deceptive a manner that those who accept his guidance know not that they are being led by him at his will. The great deceiver hopes so to confuse the minds of men and women that none but his voice is heard. And that's really the time we're living in. I mean... We are living in a time when literally it is an atmosphere around us. It is the very it's a Babylonian atmosphere. It's everywhere. And guarding well the avenues to the soul is 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 what? What are the avenues to the soul? All our senses, right? What we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we bring into our minds, into our bodies. Both physical and spiritual. We need to protect and be cautious. So I want to look at just some of the, the people that are behind uh, some of these popular films and stuff and what do they believe? Uh, how, you, how many of you have um, heard of any of these comic books here, right? Watchmen, V for Vendetta, Superman, Swamp Thing, The League of Enjoy Extraordinary Gentlemen, right? Alan Moore, how many of you heard of Alan Moore? No? But you've heard of these comics, right? That have been made into movies. But who's Alan Moore? Well, he's the guy who wrote these comics. And here's an interview with him. He believes that he is following a, a god named Glycon. This god appeared to him um, as a snake. Interesting. He's drawn pictures of him. He's a snake with a really frumpy hairdo. He's got like this frumpy toupee looking hairdo. And it's this big snake. 
And this is Glycon. This is the god that Alan Moore believes he is following and gives him guidance in his creative undertakings. So here's an interview um, where someone's asking him, uh, the interviewer asks him, what's in it for you following Glycon? What's in it for you, though, following Glycon? I believe that every single individual human being should probably make their own peace with the universe. I mean, we're all of us different emotionally, we're all different physically, intellectually. It would be really odd if we were all the same spiritually. So, I mean, that's why I have a problem with religion, per se, because religion, the very word, it comes from the same root word as ligature and ligament, and it means to be bound together in one belief, which I find a bit creepy and a bit unnatural. You can't have that conversation with a Christian fundamentalist. Yeah. The kind of what we call fundamentalism these days is basically entirely based upon 1930s tent show revivalism. Right. It goes back no further than about 80 years. And yet it's a very frightening and dangerous mindset because, I mean, as far as I understand it at the moment, there are genuine worries that, um, it, certainly in America, that this could actually negate science, yeah. that it could drag us back into a new dark ages. Yeah. Interesting, huh? So that's, did you catch all that? He was basically saying, I find being bound together in one belief a bit creepy and a bit unnatural, that we should all make our own peace with the universe and everything, and that there are genuine worries in America, especially, that religion, Christianity in particular, fundamentalism, is going to drag us back into some sort of dark ages. Right? That's what these guys believe. He believes he is enlightening the youth of today. He's on a mission, this guy, right here. That's why he writes comic books. He's, he's, he's writing to the youth. That's who he's writing to, right? Here's, here's a quote from me. He said, I decided I was going to become a magician. All of a sudden, the lightning bolt hit, and, I got it, and it got a bit strange. For months after that, uh, I was looking back probably in some borderline schizophrenic state. I found myself seemingly in conversation with an entity, which later he describes as this entity, Glycon. Uh, its presence surrounded my head, moving and speaking lucidly to me. I was very spaced out, God-struck. You babble for an idiot. Uh, you babble for a while like an idiot. I must have been unbearable for two or three months. I've, in, I've integrated that into the rest of my life. Okay? So he believes he's a magician. This is a modern-day sorcerer right here. V for Vendetta, he admits he did not write that film. Whoa. It was channeled. Huh. Okay? So it didn't come from a human mind. Right? Um, and you look at some of these comic books. I mean, Jesus and Superman, right? Um, actually, if you look at Superman, some of the original comics. Um, look at what his mom's name was. Mary. Look, Mary. And actually, um, they had his uh, dad. Uh, the na his name was Joseph, I think, originally, but they did change it. So, uh, they changed it to Jonathan, Jonathan Kent. Actually, his real name is Jonathan Joseph Kent. That's right, it was his middle name. Okay? So they put it in there. 
So there's all these parallels, right? Well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder why that is. And then you come to like this writer who wrote the 1978 Superman story, and look at what he says. On Krypton, I was intending it to be almost semi-biblical, and people spoke in very stilted, elegant English. The metaphor was clearly there when Jarrell sends Superman to Earth of God sending Christ to save humanity. You will travel far, my little Kalel. Interesting, right? And just like Christ goes into the wilderness, right, after he's baptized, before he begins his earthly ministry, Superman goes into the Siberian wilderness before he starts his quote, ministry, okay? And um, it's interesting to note when he breaks on the scene here, how old he is. Age? 30. Right? So he's 30. Wow. Same as Christ. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> this is coming into to the newer thing here now, Brian Singer's uh, you know, is the guy who did the, the um, uh, Superman um, Smallville series. I've always felt that the origin of Superman is the story of Moses, he says. The child sent on a ship to fulfill a destiny. Or sent, yeah, sent on a ship to fulfill a, de a destiny, said Singer, a pro the producer of the upcoming X-Men. And this was a story about Christ. It's also about sacrifice. The world, I hear their cries. So what happens? He gets the knife in the side and later falls to the earth in the shape of a crucifix. It was kind of nailing you on the head, but I enjoyed that because I've always found the myth of Christ compelling and moving. See? So they're just, you know, they're just messing with this story, right? And this latest Superman film was directly written towards to a Christian audience. That's, that's what they were writing that for. That's why all, those, all that imagery is there. Just look at his name, Kal El, right? It's Hebrew. Is it not? And that means the voice of God. And look at who he's fighting against, Lex Luthor, right? Lex is Latin for law. So here you have all that is God fighting against the law, the arch nemesis. Isn't that Satan's arch nemesis, the law? In the Smallville series, the whole ending of the whole series is Superman removing this mark off everyone's forehead that was placed there by this thing called dark seed that's coming to the earth. So basically, like, there's this Armageddon-type thing, and it's this big bubbly planet that's going to come and destroy the earth, and it's Superman's job to remove the mark from everybody's head and dispel this thing that's coming to the earth. So again, just uh, an inverted telling of the great controversy. Um, in Revelation, you know, it says there, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So it's interesting the imagery that they use, using a Omega symbol in everybody's head. We know that it, in the, the mark of the beast is going to be is a mark in the forehead. It's, it's, it's a, a frontal lobe issue. Yeah. It's saying, I have the, the spirit of Babylon as my choice, right? And see here, Superman, he can see that every, who has the mark of Omega, which in this, in this instance for this film, it's, it's the bad thing. Here's the dark seed coming, and, 
and Superman flies up and he pushes this thing away and he saves everyone and all the marks disappear. Oh, yes, and everybody's so happy. Interesting. So, Satan obviously is wanting to remove the dark, or, or the seal of God, right? He doesn't want God's people to be sealed in their foreheads. So it's interesting the images that um, they come up with. The parallels, the parallels yeah. Here, um, this is uh, from... Uh, actually, if you just look at superheroes, uh, the definition of a hero is a man of distinguished courage or ability admired for his brave deeds and noble qualities. This classic, classic mythology. It also uh, has the definition of being a godlike prowess and beneficence who often came to be honored as divinity. So here we have super gods in our time. And what gods are they and where do they come from? The ancient gods of Greece and Rome and Egypt still exist. Only today they wear spandex and capes. Superman is Zeus, Batman is Hades, Aquaman is Neptune. And they kind of fit into the the pantheon of gods of a lot of different cultures. Superman is as much of a Moses figure as he is a Christ figure. You know, it's coming from another world, you know, having all this power and really saving lives. Our redemption is not going to come from here, goes the myth. Instead, we will be saved from the outside. Batman, the Dark Knight detective, Gotham's greatest protector. His parents killed before him at an early age. He is the world's greatest detective. He's the world's greatest escape artist. And he's arguably the world's greatest hand-to-hand -hand combatant. He also has a bazillion dollars. And that's not somebody you want to go up against. One of the reasons that Batman has been so popular for so long is his iconography is that of a de demon. I mean, look at the paintings of medieval paintings of devils in museums, the bat wings, the horns. He looks like something that's dark and evil, and his origins are in an act of murder, and yet he's on your side. Wonder Woman is a perfect transition from the ancient myths. There are echoes of the Amazons in Homer's writing that refers to a tribe of women that lived without men that were terrifyingly efficient soldier warriors. Flash, the fastest man alive, can move at speeds near the speed of light, can outrace a bullet to its target, can run up the side of a building, can actually cross the ocean before he has time to sink. There's the old Flash and then there's the new Flash. The old Flash is a perfect counterpart for Hermes or Mercury in the old myths. You know it immediately when you see the helmet, the helmet with the wings on it. It refers to the god of the messengers. In a fascinating way, the artists who are creating today's comics are doing heroic work by taking the timeless tales that began in the world of myth and bringing them into the future. Are you with me? So, there you have it, right? Basically, we're living in, I mean, it's the same situation that the Israelites lived in. All the nations around them followed all these other gods. These are all the same gods. They just wear spandex and capes. And all that mythology is there. We go and we think, oh, it's just an entertainment piece. And, and you watch a superhero movie, what you don't realize is you're getting a whole education in that belief in that mythology in that religion because these guys believe in it like a religion um, here's an interview with Grant Morrison he's a writer for Batman 
And he's talking here about uh, this hallucination that he had where Christ appeared to him. And he says, I knew it wasn't the Christ of my father. It was a, a, a Gnostic Christ, a Christ of the Apocrypha, or one, you know, a, a cosmic Christ. Wow. And he was, um, he was breaking out in boils and everything. He was real sick. I don't know what kind of drugs he was doing or whatever, but he, he, he basically realized that um, he was about to die. And this figure appeared to him, and he, and he says, if you, you don't have to die. He's like, I don't want to die. And he's like, well, then you need to spread the light. You need to write these comics, basically. So he's on a mission, okay? And here's him saying it himself. I was, I was sweating constantly. I was getting into fevers and having these, like, shakes and rigors and then freezing. I just couldn't get up anymore, and I lay in front of the, the fireplace in my house. I mean, he thought he was going to die. I mean, he, he broke him. He, broken down in tears and he was like, he was delirious man, delirious. And suddenly this giant column of light comes through the door. I mean, bear in mind I'm hallucinating, but this was one of the most amazing hallucinations I've ever had. And it's Jesus. The first thing he said was the thing I put in the comic, just this voice suddenly announced itself. I am not the God of your fathers, I am the hidden stone that breaks all hearts. So then he's saying to me, okay, you're about to die now, but you don't have to die. And I said, well, I really don't want to die. What do I have to do? And he said, well, if you want to stay here, you have to work for us. You know, you have to spread the light. Whatever. Right? you got to work for us. you got to spread the light. Is what this Christ told him in this hallucination that he had. Um, the guy on the left here is uh, a singer from a band called My Chemical Romance. It's a tech band. And um, it's interesting how he's talking about... Um, superheroes, the writers of this, this whole genre, and pop culture for the whole matter. Listen to what he says Being here. fans of something, be it from Buffy to Superman, anything else, the real diehard fans, I think there's almost a reason that they call us all disciples in a weird way, because I do think there's that, that connection of mythology that we almost take it so personally, because it is, in a lot of weird ways, you know, and people are going to hate me for saying this religion or, or mythology. It's, it's our guideline for, for, to get our, our, our moral code and our integrity and our courage. We actually use them as a basis. And then it made me think, well, if, if that's the case, and it actually is, like pop culture is actually the new mythology. So um, if that's the case, like what a crazy power that any of us wield. Um, I had described it to him as it's almost like you're doing an ongoing series of the Bible. Okay. That's really what they believe. They're putting out this mythology. They believe in it, and pop culture is the new mythology. Wow. Interesting. Is 2014 the year of the Christian film? I found a bunch of articles here we're going to look at that are kind of interesting. Another one says, Biblical films, Hollywood's, uh, Hollywood comeback. Superheroes are being elbowed out by Noah and Mary as Hollywood makes 2014 of the biblical epic. Hollywood has been, uh, has made more biblical films in the last 11 months than have been produced in the last 11 years. Um, Hollywood gets biblical in 2014, Noah, Exodus, um, five films that make 2014 the year of the Bible, all right? Um, movies uh, with the G-Force, interesting. 
God has never been bigger business in Hollywood. There are currently two films, uh, two film projects about the emancipation of the Jews, one called Exodus, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Christian Bale, uh, out later this year, and another one, God, Gods and Kings, directed by Ang Lee, um, and as well as Russell Crowe and Noah. We could soon see, be seeing uh, Will Smith as Cain, um, Dwayne Johnson as Goliath, Brad Pitt as Pontius Pilate, Ben Kingsley as King Herod. There's even talk of a Ben-Hur remake. And let's not forget Mel Gibson. The troubled director of 2004's The Passion of the Christ is currently developing a movie version of the Maccabees story. Interesting, huh? You guys realize Mel Gibson, he's a pre-Vatican II Catholic, right? So he actually has a little Catholic cathedral, in, uh, uh, private cathedral in uh, Malibu, where all the services are still conducted in Latin. And that's why he made that film all in Latin and all that stuff. And I mean, it's, it, here he's going to make this story of Maccabees. But the truth remains, not since 1949, when Victor Mancher had his locks trimmed by um, Hedy Lamar in Samson and Delilah, has Hollywood been so keen on adapting the Bible. One reason? Mammon. The Passion of the Christ took $611 million on a $30 million budget. That's a huge profit margin. Um, yet Hollywood has previously been wary and at the back of many minds was the furor that greeted Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ in 1988, right? That, that, mil, that film flopped. Um, the, the Catholics actually are the ones that led the protest against that film. It was a horrible film uh, depicting Christ being tempted off the cross by Mary Magdalene and that sort of thing. It was totally messed up. And it's interesting here. Uh, but more, uh, a recent spur is that hit 10-hour TV miniseries, The Bible. On the back of its success, a six-hour, $20 million miniseries called Jesus of Nazareth is in production. So they're already in, in production on the next one. Now Hollywood is making at least 10 adaptions of Bible stories. All of a sudden, interesting. Several have the input of faith groups. Past, a pastor is among the producers of Mary, Mother of God. Similarly, Left Behind, starring Nicolas Cage, is an adaptation of the novel written by two Protestants um, and based on the book of Revelation. But Christians will, will surely look um, askance at Will Smith's The Legend of Cain, a vampirical take on the story. So here we're going to have a little vampire twist in the story of Cain and Abel. Um, they will also be concerned to learn that in Noah, Emma Watson, as Noah's adapted, adopted daughter, romances his son Shem, a plot you'll look for vain in the Bible, in, in the book of Genesis. Weird. Um, that's because the story of Noah was not from the Bible that that film is based on. Hollywood declares 2014 the year of the Bible. Unofficially, of course, the article says. Um, Russell Crowe is Noah, Christian Bale is Moses, Brad Pitt is Pontius Pilate with pages of action and, faith, and a faithful fan base. Hollywood is mining the good book for blockbuster stories. Um, one reason is, is because there's no copyright law. 
You can adapt the Bible all day long and pay no one. You adapt someone's book, you're paying. Okay? So that's, that's one reason, right? Here's this article in It starts out, pop quiz. How many of the top 15 U.S. grossing films of all time star comic book characters? None of them. But two of them were based on the Bible. And those were the Ten Commandments and Ben-Hur. In the 1950s, Ten Commandments and Ben-Hur teamed up for a $1.795 billion in adjusted domestic ticket sales. So if you were to compare that today, that's what it made. $1.79 billion. That's more than Avatar, Dark Knight, and Transformers combined. Okay? That's because we, we live in a, a Protestant country. I mean, look at, you know, there's all these people who, I mean, there's more people in this country that are serious about the genre of the Bible than they are about comic books, right? And so, um, Hollywood's realizing that, and they're trying to, 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 to market that, and I, obviously the whole thing about money is just, a, is just a cloak, because really, what's behind it, obviously, we know, is Satan, and he is trying to deceive everyone and try to paint God as the evil character and, and Satan as the Savior. Because what's he going to do here in, in the near future? Oh, he's going to impersonate Christ. He's going to show up as Christ, as the Savior, right? And things are going to start to get real supernatural around here. And everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, uh, all these things that are in their minds. They're going to go right to it. They're already set up. Um, so this may explain in part why the movie industry seems unofficially, of course, to declare 2014 the year of the Bible. Over the last 11 months, Hollywood is planning to release more big biblical movies than it has put out during the last 11 years. And the trend shows no sign of slowing down in 2015 and beyond. Uh, for an industry that spent... Uh, oh, yeah, I guess that was the last little part I wanted to show. So let's look at Noah here for a second. Um... <clears throat> The end, of the, the end of the world is just the beginning, the, the movie poster says. Here's a synopsis. Um, it's a world without hope, a world without no rain, no crops, dominated by warlords. There are barbarian hordes. It's a cruel world. Noah was a good man, a seasoned fighter, a mage, a magician, right? A healer, but he only wanted peace for him and his family. Yet every night Noah was beset by visions of an endless flood, symbolizing the destruction of all life. Gradually he began to understand the message sent to him by the Creator. He had decided to punish men and kill them until the last. But he gave Noah a last chance to preserve life on earth. Here's the director, Darren Aronofsky. Okay? He's not a Christian. Right? Is that surprising? No. He actually adapted this film from his French graphic novel by the same title, Noah. Um, this is the cover of it here. And um, this is... It, well, I'll, I'll let it unravel here as we go. Darren Aronofsky, this is a quote from him. He says, It's about environmental apocalypse, which is the biggest theme for me right now for what's going on on planet Earth. Uh, so I think it's got this, these big, big themes and that connect with us. Noah was the first environmentalist. Okay? And that's really a cloak. That's really a cloak for, for really what the story is about. Um, 
This is a, um, another writer that was commenting on this saying, Having got a chance to read uh, an unadapted version of the script of Noah, I want to warn you. If you were expecting a biblical, faithful retelling of the story of the greatest mariner in history and a tale of redemption and obedience to God, you will sorely be disappointed. Noah paints the primeval world of Genesis as a scorched, arid desert, dry, cracked earth, and gray, gloomy skies that give no rain. And all this caused by man's disrespect for the environment. In short, the... Uh, um, anachronistic doomsday scenario of ancient, of ancient global warming. Now, first off, what's the first big error we see right off the bat? What was the antediluvian world like? It was paradise. It was beautiful. It was perfect. People were civilized, I'm sure, right? They weren't barbarians and, you know living in this desert, desolate place. Um, and so Noah, he gets his, he, he's this magician, he goes into a cave and there's this other magician there who gives him this magic seed that he plants that grows the forest that he cuts down to, to make the ark. And six armed demons help him build the ark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um... Breitbart.com, interesting website, very popular website, had this article that I found. It says, Theologian blasts Christian leaders fooled into endorsing Kabbalah Gnostic version of Noah. That's what it is. Wow. It's straight up Kabbalah mystic, Jewish, Jewish mysticism. Um, Aronofsky got his start. It's interesting that I, the only, I went to Sundance Film Festival one time in my life and I bought a ticket to see uh, one of the award, like, uh, you know, best director, best film, or whatever. It was one of the ones that, you know, would, would win, a, win an award I would get to go see. And it was this film called Pi. And it was uh, uh, Darren Aronofsky's first film that, that broke him into the Hollywood scene. And in that film, um, it, was all, it was all about Jewish mystic, Kabbalistic type um, um, ideas. It was a very strange film. I, I, I barely remember following it. I remember going, this is a weird movie. But I just remember, he, he's in New York and there's all these, there was all these Jewish mystic guys and they were, it's all about numerology and this and that and they were talking all this stuff and I'm like, man, these guys are not actors. These guys look like the real deal. And they were. They were, they're, you know, he was actually filming um, with people he knew in, in uh, New York that were Kabbalists. Um, so here's what the article says. Uh, Dr. Brian Madison, a theologian with a PhD in systematic theology from University of Aberdeen, who, who now serves as a senior scholar of public theology for the Center of, for Culture Leadership, has written a scathing review of Darren Aronofsky's Noah that takes special aim at numerous Christian leaders who endorsed the film, directed from Kabbalist, Kabbalist and Gnostic sources uh, uh, that has zero to do with the Bible. This is thoroughly this is, this was thoroughly pagan a pagan retelling of the Noah story, direct from Kabbalists and Gnostic sources. Madison writes. Uh, Madison reminds that the subject matter of Aronofsky's debut film Pi was Kabbalah, so it makes sense that he was already familiar with it. 
Moreover, a number of moments in the film that at first seem like artistic uh, flourishes, a glowing Adam and Eve, a serpent, uh, the serpent's skin, Noah wraps around his arm, um, all have a basis in either Kabbalah or Gnosticism. The world of Gnostic mysticism is bewildering with a myriad of varieties, but generally speaking, they hold in common that the serpent is Sophia, mother, or wisdom. The serpent represents the true divine, and the claims of the Creator are false. Um, where, the, where the numerous Christian leaders where the, where the numerous Christian leaders who endorsed the film really got fooled, though, was assuming Aronofsky's Noah had anything to do with God or the Old Testament of the Bi or the Bible. It doesn't. Noah is really about the Creator, a completely different being, according to, according to the Gnostics. An evil one. Whoa. If Aronofsky's God seemed a little bit anti-human to some, here's why. Um, except that when... Gnostics speak about the Creator, they are not talking about God. Oh, here in, a, in an affluent world living off the fruits of Christendom, the term Creator generally denotes the true and living God. But here, a little Gnos here's a little Gnostic 101 for you. The Creator of the material world is an arrogant, or is an ignorant, arrogant, jealous, exclusive, violent, low-level bastard son of a low-level deity. Whoa. That's what the Gnostics believe. He's responsible for creating the unspiritual world of flesh and matter, and he is so ignorant of the spiritual world, he fancies himself the only God and demands absolute obedience. They generally call him Yahweh or other names uh, in, in the Kabbalah tradition, Idaldamoth, um, and there's these other names that they, they give him, but it's, they refer to Yahweh as this, as this low-level God. This creator tries to keep Adam and Eve from the true knowledge of the divine and when they disobey, flies into a rage and boots them out of the garden. Matson also explains that why Russell Crowe's Noah turns into a homicidal maniac in the second half of the film. Listen to this. Many reviewers thought that Noah's change into a homicidal maniac on the ark, wanting to kill his son's two newborn daughters, was a weird plot twist. It isn't weird at all. If, in the director's view, Noah is worshipping a false, homicidal, homicidal maniac of a god. The more faithful and godly Noah becomes, the more homicidal he becomes. He is becoming every bit the image of God that the evil guy who keeps, talk, who, who keeps talking about the image of God, Tubal-Cain, is. Tubal-Cain, I guess there's a guy who, who stows away on the ark, and, and halfway through the film, he's got to kill this guy who stowed away on the ark. Oh. Wow. Nothing, I mean, right? I mean, Noah was preaching, get on the ark. Right. And here in this film, it's like, no, stay off my boat. And he's the, the rain is falling, and people are kind of coming up. He's killing people trying to get on the boat. Whoa. Yeah. The door isn't shut. The door is open. And he's killing people as they're trying to get on the boat. Gnostic. Straight Gnostic. Um, <clears throat> but Noah fails the Creator in the movie, okay? He cannot wipe out all life like God wants him to. Wants him to do. When I looked at those two girls, my heart was filled with nothing but love, he says. 
Noah, Noah now has something the Creator doesn't, love and mercy. But where did he get it? And, and why now? In the immediately preceding scene, Noah killed Tubal-Cain and recovered the snakeskin relic. Wisdom, Sophia, the true light of the divine. Just a coincidence? I'm sure. Unless Matson is off base with his facts, which is doubtful based on his resume, Aronofsky has pulled off one of the greatest bait and switches in history. The director was not only able to fool the public and maybe the studio into buying into the idea that Noah was a biblical epic, he also fooled legions of Christians, thought leaders, who were apparently ignorant of Kabbalah and Gnosticism, but also willing to put uh, on the blinders when it came to the obvious paganism that those of us who are not theologians picked up on. The scandal is this. Of all the Christian leaders who went to the great lengths to endorse this movie, for whatever reasons, uh, it's a conversational starter, at least Hollywood's doing something about the Bible, etc. And all the Christian leaders who, who panned it for not following the Bible, um, not one of them could identify a blatantly Gnostic subversion of the biblical story when it was right in front of their faces. I believe Aronofsky did this as an experiment to make fools of us. You are so ignorant that I can put Noah, granted it's Russell Crowe, up there on the big screen and portray him literally as the seed of the serpent, and you will all watch it. Uh, watch my studio screening and endorse it. Wow. He's having quite the laugh, and shame on everyone who bought it. In the opening of, no, of my Noah review, I wrote um, that Aronofsky conceived this film for the sinister purpose of leading people to believe that Christianity and Judaism are something they are not. At the time, I had no idea where his ideas had come from, but that the director was trying to lead people away from the God of the Old Testament and uh, uh, was blatantly and sickeningly obvious. Indeed, shame on everyone who bought it, especially those who should have known better. Crazy. Yeah. Because remember, we're to be called farmers. We're called to be farmers. We're called to plow the earth and to make relationships with people and to spread the word. Uh, you know, really, the best way of spreading the word, the best advertisement we learned yesterday is what? By word of mouth. The best advertisement by the word of mouth. The best way in which God... I mean, look at Christ. Christ spoke to people individually. He loved that individual conversation he had with the woman at the well and that sort of thing, right? Yes, he got up in front of a large, large people and he told stories and he used the art of story to parables to, you know, describe the things that were, were um, uh, spiritual and the heavenly. But notice he didn't get his 12 disciples. He had 12 disciples there. They could have easily uh, put together a play, Right? and done a play, but they didn't. I mean, there were plays around at that time. And, but he, he you know, it was, it was one-on-one, and, and man, just speaking the straight testimony is really where um, we need to be. So I'm going to end this just a little bit early here to where we can have some questions. If anybody has any questions, let's have a question, a little question answer. Is there anything here that's... Who 
Uh, that's, that's, fr that's off of the Breitbart uh, website, and it was, um, uh, his name was Matson. Uh, Dr. Brian Matson? No, I don't think he was. Uh -uh. Yeah. I think yeah, he's a Christian. He's a he's a theologian, uh, systematic theology at the University of of uh, Aberdeen. So, yeah. So, what do you guys think? Anything? I just wanted to say that God truly has people everywhere. Amen. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. First, a good resource is on the internet if you wanted to uh, check out a movie, like say, or like say Noah. I mean, the way we we. I know that Hollywood. Um, there's a website I recently came across called The Vigilant Christian. It's kind of based on The Vigilant Citizen, if you've seen that website. Um, and, I mean, you, just, just Googling these things and searching, I mean, I found article after article after article, um, and, you know, some of which are Christian-based, some of which are not, but still basically telling the truth about where these sources are coming from, that they're Gnostic and this and that. So, uh, uh, you know... So many people write reviews these days. It's really easy to find tons and tons of information on a film, uh, especially if you're thinking of wanting to go see it, and you're like, you know what, I want to check this out first. I mean, obviously, we should be totally leery about anything coming out of Hollywood that's telling us anything about the Bible. Because um, there's a... Uh, basically, like there's an interview with um, Silverstein. He was a big... Pretty, uh, owned all sorts of production companies and, and things in Hollywood. And he basically said, you know, there is no right in Hollywood. It's all left. There is no voice given to the right at all. It's a completely liberal agenda that they're writing for. Um, uh, another interview uh, with a big Hollywood producer, I remember him saying that, uh, you know, a lot of people want to think that Hollywood has morals and, you know, uh, some sort of code of ethics. It doesn't. It's here to thumb our nose at your morals. Um, that's, that's essentially what, you know, they're, they're pushing the envelope at, at every level. And, um, I mean, it's amazing. Just within three shows, um, Glee, uh, there's a couple other shows uh, that were centered around a homosexual theme. In those three shows, they changed the perception of America. 27% more Americans became acceptant to gay marriage, while only 6% got more resistant to it. So they're gaining ground. I mean, it's a powerful um, medium in terms of changing the collective mindset. Um, so, uh, yeah. Just regarding the question, I, I'm kind of at a point where I don't like to watch anything, but there is a website, uh, I believe it's called christianspotlight.net or .com or something like that, and it will basically, it's interesting because it will give you Christian morality, where it will be like, 
The only two positive ones must be given for something that's got some kind of a positive biblical type message. And then there's average, offensive, very offensive, and extremely offensive, or something like that. Like 80% of what comes out of Hollywood is either extremely offensive or very offensive. But then they have a movie making quality, and a lot of them are like three and a half out of four stars from movie making. So you can go there, but I will tell you, I've seen a couple of movies that they endorse that I don't think I could endorse. So just, but they do a pretty good job of just saying what is in it and what to expect. A lot of the time they'll give you a lot of plot spoilers, but I just, I don't think there's anything out there that's worth watching nowadays. Yeah. I mean, the greatest story is in the Bible. Amen. I mean, the great controversy is the greatest story. That's the one there, keep telling. So we really need to know our Bibles. We really need to know the details of the great controversy so that we can pick out these errors because that's the only way we can pick out a, 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 a counterfeit is by understanding the true genuine. I just wanted to point out too, Eve was deceived by a tree that said good and evil. God wants us to pick from the life tree. If we go to a tree that we know there's a little bit of evil, hmm. What did that guy say last night? He said, if there's 1%, 1, right? Yeah. Then we should steer clear from it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because on earth right now, there is a war yeah. for your minds, right? Yep. Yep. Amen. 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 Yep. Uh, and another thing, I think, um, I think one of your programs, you said that a lot of times, we see how amazing these actors are. They're incredible. And I'm thinking, I wonder if, if there's an agenda, you know, with Hollywood bringing all these Christian movies, you know, like, uh, what was it called, the American? The, something. I, what was the marriage one? What was the, the, the first one, the Christian one that they, yeah, what? Fireproof. Fireproof, yeah, something like that, you know. And you, and you start to you start to see a pattern of all these good movies, and all of a sudden we're watching everything, everything and and we're just kind of like yeah. they're getting all these mass Christians like, whoa, look at all these good movies! Now now they're accepting other ones and other ones. It's like a snare. It's mm -hmm. like a snare. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> it's like they made it, you make you a little bit comfortable here, and then you know it's oh these are, these are biblical films too, and and. Yeah. yeah, yeah. there's an interview with, with Russell Crowe and he's like, yeah, you know, most people want to think that Noah was like loving and benevolent. Noah wasn't loving or benevolent. He was straight up evil killer. Wow. Wanted to watch the world. He stood by while he watched the whole world die. That's how they're painting Noah, wow. you know? And we know that this is, I mean, think about it. He was a man of God. He was, he was a man of God and the story of Noah is a prophetic story for our time. That's what Christ said. Yes. So as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So this is uh, just meddling with, the, with our belief in, in, in God and the Savior and the plan of redemption. The whole thing is just confusion. confusion. It's confusion. It's Babylon. It's Babylon. All right. Um, like, my, like on, right when I heard all this, and you know, 2014 having a lot of movies that come out about the Bible, my first thought was is to keep the Bible out of your hands. Yes. And the biggest thing is for us to be informed about this is very important because the devil doesn't want us to have the, 
the word of God in our hands. This is our wow. sword, you know? That's true. And the whole armor of God, we need to be equipped with it fully. And I mean, Amen. we talked about this at Bible study so many times at my church where it's like, don't go watch that movie. <laughs> or like, why not? Even the little children movie, Noah was in the ark with like 20 people. It's like, that's not according to the word of God. How many, how many of us know how many animals went into the ark according to these movies out of the other denominations? Two of each kind. Not seven clean animals and two of every unclean. It's just the fact of the matter. What are we following? The word of God or the word of media? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's really what scares me about it. That really wants to take the Bible away from you. And that's the devil's yes. biggest goal. Keep us away from God. How are we going to know if we don't believe? That's right. That's right. I was just going to say, one, there is a sense even in which well-intentioned biblical movies can be even more dangerous than the non-biblical ones. I mean, I, I think... Mel Gibson, for whatever it's worth, I think he wanted to give what he counted to be his version, the best version. Now, granted, coming from his theological background, that's very, we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians are very skeptical of that. Yeah. But the other thing that we need to keep in mind is when you're reading Patriarchs and Prophets and you're going through the book of Noah, she speaks in very forcible terms about what happened and she gives a lot of detail. You watch a movie like Noah, you, the images on the screen will sometimes yeah. be much more powerful and much more apt to be retained That's right. than what you read from either the Bible or the Spirit of Prophecy, wow. and it can change your thinking about what happened. That is why in 2004, when all of my friends were going out to see The Passion of the Christ, I chose not to, not because I thought everything about the movie is going to be wrong, but I thought, I think I've got in my head the way I want it to be, and I don't want the Catholic reinterpreting it for me because I'm worried about what gets up here, the ideas coming in, and I know, particularly in a crucifixion scene, that is going to stick. It's going to Big stay times. in your Big mind. Times. And if there is anything in there that's not right, it will stay in your mind much more so than the description that she gives. In that's, the right. that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I, I oftentimes, um, the, t- the question comes up, well, what about Matthew and John, these movies that literally take the Bible as the script? And that's my point exactly. You know, God has given us an imagination for a purpose, and we are to meditate on the life of Christ for an hour every day. That's what we're, that's what we're, got, we're instructed to do. And to, to grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. If we put in our minds, if I sit down and I say, you know what, instead of reading the book of Matthew, I'm just going to watch this movie. It's the, it's the book of Matthew. I'm, you're, you're, you're linking those images and that actor's portrayal of Christ to the scriptures, to the actual scriptures. So when you go back to read now, now your imagination is no longer free for the Holy Spirit to impress upon you how Christ acted, what was his tone of voice, how was he lovingly, you know, it's like in the, in the Matthew, it's like Jesus is kind of this jokey character, but then in like the, the, the John one, he's more of this stern, kind of angry kind of character, you know, well, that's conflicting right there. Yeah. So, um, and man, not to criticize those guys, because I, actually that guy came to PUC um, uh, that played Jesus in that Matthew film and spoke when I was going to school there. And um, he said it changed his life, you know. I mean, they prayed before every scene and, you know, all these things. And, and I believe that they were really genuine in what they were endeavoring to do. 
but yeah, we just still, you know, we got to be we got to be careful and, and, and guard well the the avenues because it's it's gonna it's gonna mess with our ability for the Holy Spirit to to impress upon our imagination exactly how Christ was. Yeah. No matter how we look at it, no matter how, how much we want to go, or how much we want to take partake of this and not partake of that, we have to be spiritual. Things are spiritually discerned. Okay. And that's how we have to go by it. You know, whether it's movies like this or not, we have to be in prayer, especially in these times when we see all this. We have to be in our knees in prayer because Satan is very, yeah. very crafty. Very crafty. I mean, yeah. And he knows the Bible better than us. Yes. I mean, you think about it. He knows it forwards and backwards. You don't think he's writing that stuff and channeling that stuff through people into these films and twisting it, just like he did Christ in the, in the wilderness, trying to, trying to trip him up with Scripture, you know? So, yeah. Well, is that... Oh, yep, in the back. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely paving the way for the cosmic Christ because uh, the reason the world is going to fall for the the cosmic Christ, Satan appearing as Christ, is because he's going to be a Christ that satisfies all religions. And anybody who said who anybody who's exclusive in saying no, you know, this is the truth. We can't unite just for the sake of unity. We have to unite over truth. We're going to be ousted. And, um, yeah, and that's what's coming. I mean, uh, you can see people getting more and more, just, you know, the bumper sticker, coexist. I mean, every, you know, there's this cry to, for, for the religions and whatever, just get together, whatever. I mean, look at, look at what's happening with the, with the Catholic Church right now with, with, with that guy that just died. What was his name? Palmer. Tony Palmer saying... Um, uh, the protest is over. I mean, amazing. And though these Protestant churches, evangelical churches, signing this thing and joining back up with the Catholic Church, saying, hey, Pope, we, 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 we recognize you as the spiritual leader of the world. We want you to be the head of this thing. It's amazing. I mean, there's Scripture right there. That's it. Coming to... Coming, coming to, to fruition, you know. It's time to watch TV, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just put it away. Just put it away, you know. Yeah. So. Word of God. Word of God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. It's a lot you know? more interesting, though, when you don't watch movies to read the Word of God. Because it's almost like you're, the, the distractions of movies are out. Yeah. And it's like you can read it for what it really meant. It's Amen. It's what... You know, what God really meant for you to understand it, you can understand now because you don't have that distraction. 
yeah. of a movie picture in your head while you're trying to read the Bible. Yes. It's yeah. like, no, get that out. I want to read what God wants me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That agnostic view, I want to read yeah. what He meant for me. Yeah. Right? Amen. 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 All right, well, it's uh, 11.34 here, so we're almost up, up against lunch. So we'll just have a word of prayer to close. And then the last presentation this afternoon um, at 4.20, I believe, we, I'm just going to take this a little bit further um, and, and, and do a presentation that we've titled um, uh, Hollywood's False System of Worship. And it looks at how the writers and these actors, their biggest... Uh, way of, of bringing about these best performances, these scripts that they're writing, everything is through channeling, and it's them saying it, you know, not us. Um, it's interviews and, and articles and things that, that were written that where these, where these actors and writers and everything admitted um, um, that uh, it's by possession, basically. So, yeah. Um, so, we'll just close our heads, or, or bow our heads and close our eyes. We'll have a closing word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for, again, being here with us, giving us insight into, into the devices that Satan has so craftily developed in these last days that a lot of us are ignorant of. And Lord, I know you, you desire us not to be ignorant, but to be skillful and to be wise, wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. So Lord, I just pray that you... You give us uh, your spirit of wisdom to discern these things because it's going to get so crazy on this planet here in the near future, Lord. And if we, don't, if we don't have a solid relationship with you, if we don't have the word of God hidden in our hearts, Lord, help us. Impress upon our minds now, what should we do? When we go from here, Lord, what should we do? And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.